0: all right hello everyone uh this is minister derek hallett of sound the trumpet ministries com, and uh what i wanted to talk about today because this is a part of a three-part series so this is the third part uh called the pride of life okay this is called the pride of life so we must make clear that you know we've dealt with the lust of the eyes we've dealt with the lust of the flesh But the pride of life is going to be the most deceptive of all because of the fact that, you know, a lot of people don't even know that they have pride. But this is not just any type of pride. This is going to be broken down in five parts. okay, today. So it's important that we understand what this is, because, again, this is one of the three methods that the devil attacks us with and the things that he tries to fight against us with. So we must have an understanding of the wiles and the tricks of the devil so that we will not be snared okay so i just want to go uh, back to our famous scripture that we always go into you know especially for this three-part series let's go to first john two and let's look at verse 15. all right this is first john two and verse 15 he says love not the world neither the things that are in the world If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So, you know, in order to know what these things are, we better make clear that we figure this out because, you know, if this is one of the attacks that the enemy does to us, and then we're on the list of one of these three things, then man, that means that the love of the Father is not in us. So we don't want to be in that place where we're not in God's love, okay? Because we know as Christians, we want to be in the right place with him. But you also get an understanding of why he says friendship with the world makes you the enemy of God. Look at verse 16, um, he says, or verse 17, he says, "'And the world passes away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever.'" So that's a little clue that we can get a glimpse of and understand that he's saying the world's going to pass away, but him that do the will of God will abide forever. So that also tells us that if we're of the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life, that these things will keep us from doing the will of God. And as we talked about last night, only overcomers, only those who do God's will, will inherit eternal life. Okay, so I want to uh, pray real quick, and then we'll get into the five parts of the pride of life. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits, thanking you once again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. And I ask, Lord, that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time that I have with my brothers and sisters online, Lord, for those who listen in and for those who hear with sincere hearts. I pray that you open their eyes and their ears, that they may understand what your perfect will is, because you only mean to do what's good. Lord, I pray for those who are out there, Lord, that are struggling, that are dealing with so much. I pray that you set them free. I pray for my brother, Michael Adams, my brother, Ethan, my brother, Brian, just so many out there, Lord, that are in the fight that are doing what they're doing. And I pray that you set them free from anything that has them bound. And I just pray, Lord, that you bring them in, Lord, to your kingdom. And I just pray, Lord, for those out there that they truly will choose you, Lord, for your wisdom is great. Your knowledge is great, Lord. Your love is so great and your understanding is great. So we just pray and we ask that all these things be done, that every You know, foul spirit and demonic spirit be bound at this hour and that we invite the presence of the Holy Ghost that you may come upon us strongly, Lord, that your word may be taught. So, Lord, we pray and we ask that all these things be done for your glory and honor. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. All right. So, you know, the first part of the pride of life, uh, I want to give you a couple of uh, examples of what the pride of life is. You have the pride of life if you're someone that craves attention, not maybe just, you know, looking for attention, but if you're someone that will crave attention to the place of not being able to serve God, you can't go and do what God says to do because your crave for attention is so great that you can't stand alone. The next is craving position. So when you crave position, that's the kind of thing where, you know, you're looking for to be somebody, you know? The next is craving for authority. Another is craving for identity. And another one is craving for appreciation. All these things go under the pride of life, okay? Now, pride is broken off into five parts. This wasn't a work of mine, but this was one of a a true man of God, A.A. Allen, where he broke these off into five sections, okay? Okay. And um, the first is the pride of face. So the pride of face is how much better do we look than those around us? You know how many people are stuck on this and they're just so trying to powder themselves up and look the best that they can look because they need to look better than anyone else? That's all so shallow and that's a part of the pride of face. The second is the pride of place. And this says, don't ask that of one in my position. So this is someone that wants to consider himself above others that, you know, I'm too good for this kind of job. Now, we know ministry work itself is to be a servant. That's how Jesus came. He came in the image of God, in the form of God, but he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation that he might do those things that the father told him to do. And because of that, God highly exalted him to the place of, and gave him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. So you see, when you go into ministry, that's a type of service job, and it can be a dirty job. Casting out devils is not a clean job. Going and feeding the homeless and preaching the gospel and being ridiculed and mocked and, you know, going through so much, you know, that's a hard job. That's not an easy, you know, light job, okay? So you leave your reputation at the door. So uh, this is the third. This is pride of race. We must, uh, we come from an excellent family. You know and must uphold the family honor at any cost. And there are a lot of people that are you know full of their pride because of where they come from they may have parents that are doctors and lawyers and they feel like they've got to live up to that standard and i just want to tell people you better live up to the standard of jesus christ because when it's all said and done that's the only thing that's going to matter the fourth is the pride of pace and this is everyone should see that we are the most capable and efficient person available No one else could keep up with us. So as you can see, it all goes into the categories of the list of things that I just gave you concerning the pride of life. And these are things that we've got to get past because the devil puts emphasis on every single one of these things to make us think that we're more important than we are. And that's why the Bible tells us to look at things soberly, not in the ways of, you know, the way man sees it. Because all these things are important to fallen man. Why? Because he's been looking for his true identity since the fall of Adam and Eve. Well, you know, your true identity is having the Holy Spirit and it's in Jesus Christ to go on to do what he calls us to do. So, see, when you think you're better than people, that's what the Pharisees thought. And that's not of the spirit of Jesus. So the last is pride of grace, proud of our spiritual accomplishments proud of length of our fast proud of visions and dreams and revelations proud of the gifts we think we possess feeling that we must be special a special favorite uh with god you see so this is one of the things that is is very deadly for a christian because i've heard of stories of christians that have gone to hell because they've allowed pride to come in. You know, I'm the one with the power. I'm the man of the hour. I'm the one that can do this and that. Oh, the Lord's giving me visions. Oh, I've spoken in tongues the other day because, you know, the Lord was telling me to do these things. And, you know, I perform miracles, you know, and the Lord used me. So you see, if you've got pride, we must understand that this is how Satan was. That's why if you go to Luke 10 and 19, when the 70 disciples, or or Luke 10 and 17, the 70 disciples, matter of fact, let's go there, because I want to tell this story 100% accurately, so we're going to Luke 10, and let's look at verse 17, but we're going to see how that pride of, uh, what is it, Uh, pride of grace, you know, allows people to think that they're greater than they are, and you know, That's what happened to Lucifer, and that's what we got to make clear. We must stay in line with what God wants and not look on ourselves, okay, because we are nothing without the one true God. All right, so this is uh, Luke 10, and let's look at verse 17, and it says, And the 70, which were the disciples of Jesus at the time, they returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. So they became very proud and happy. Lord, even the demons are subject to us through your name. Let's hear the response of Jesus. Look at verse um, 18. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. So you got to understand that Jesus is making it clear to them. The same thing that I saw in Lucifer, I see in you. You're getting proud about the works of God, you know, and, and you know, have the demons are submit, submitting to you, but they must understand that we can do nothing aside from Jesus. So Jesus was just correcting them. Hey, I remember a guy who felt just like you felt, and he fell like lightning from heaven. So that's a warning that the Lord is giving us that we can't be proud We need to pursue God and do the things that he says, because God wants us to be in line with him and not fall away or see ourselves not soberly, but that we're some special person to God, because God doesn't have favorites and he is no respecter of persons. Okay, so he says in verse 19, behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So as you can see, the Lord wanted them to understand that, you know, their names are written in heaven. That's what we should be rejoicing over. Not that we have some power over the enemy. Okay, there are times where we should be zealous and, you know, um, excited about, you know, setting captives free. But that doesn't mean that we get to walk in pride and talk about how we can do what most people can't, because then people will find themselves living up to you and not to Jesus, which also puts you in front of Jesus, making you what? Antichrist. Okay. so he says here, um, you know, that that's what they need to pay attention to. So as you can see, the first is pride of face, which says how much better do we look than those that are around us? Pride of place. Don't ask that of one in my position, pride of race. We come from an excellent family, you know and must uphold the family honor at any cost. Why is that irrelevant? Because when you're born again, you enter into the true family, which is that of Jesus Christ, the true church of God. Pride of pace. Everyone should see that we are the most capable and efficient person available. No one else could keep up with us that's what Lucifer thought. And as you can see, he lost it all. And lastly, pride of grace, proud of our spiritual accomplishments, proud of length of our fast, pride of visions and dreams and revelations, proud of the gifts we think we possess, feeling that we must be a special favorite with God. And you see, that's not what God wants, because even John the Baptist said, i must decrease so that jesus christ can increase so that's what this is about increasing and what god wants for us okay you must decrease and that's what we're going to talk about with the pride of life you must go so that jesus christ can live in you this body is not big enough for the two of us and if we don't allow jesus to come in and live and do what he needs to do in us then we do have the pride of life that is in us. So we're gonna hear what Jesus talks about and what he means concerning that. You know, let's just, uh, let's get started. I wanna move over here. All right, so, you know, I wanna give an example of Genesis 3 because remember, we go back to Genesis 3 and we go back to Matthew 4 to make a couple of points. Genesis 3, how the devil introduced the pride of life to Eve was he told her, that, you know, you will be as gods knowing good and evil. So it wasn't good enough that they were like God and they were made good in God's image. They now, you know, were introduced with the chance to be like God. They already were like God, but they wanted to be as their own gods. That's what Satan sold them on. And that's what they went in accordance with. And because of that, they fell. Now, how did the devil tempt Jesus? Let's go to, um, I don't want to put my own spin on it. Since I'm already in Luke, let's go to Luke four, and uh, I want to bring this up. Okay, so Jesus went into the wilderness and was tempted of the devil. And uh, let's see. Okay, so this is um, this is verse nine. So this is Luke four, and let's look at verse nine, and it says. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the son of God, cast thyself down then cast thyself down from thence. For it is written, ye shall give his angels or he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. And in their hands, they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. So as you can see, the devil tried to tell Jesus, well, if you are the son of God, you know, just like have God really said, if you are the son of God, why don't you throw yourself off the temple? Because after all, it is written. This is where the devil quoted Psalm 91 to try and get Jesus to prove himself to him. But we must understand, you know, if Jesus would have yielded himself to the devil, Lucifer would have become Jesus's God. All right. And how do we know this? Look at verse 12. And Jesus answering said unto him, it is said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. So just because, you know, we might be able to do something doesn't mean that we should obey any commands to do it. And, you know, there's nothing worse than seeing a Christian with someone telling them, hey, let me hear you speak in tongues. Let me hear you. cast. Let me see you cast out devils. Let me see you perform for me. Because you see, when you do that outside of what the Spirit commands, then what you find yourself doing is obeying the devil or obeying someone else and not the Spirit of God. So you see, a little pride may creep in to try and prove yourself. But Jesus says, yeah, I'm sure I can do it, but I'm not going to tempt the Lord thy God. Why? Because I don't obey your commander, your commandment, Satan. I obey what God tells me to do. And we're going to find out how relevant this is because the devil tried to push pride and really all three of the temptations that he meant to go to do to Jesus in the wilderness. He showed him all the kingdoms if he would bow down and worship him. Jesus said, "I serve the Lord thy God, and Him only shalt thou serve." So you see, we've got to learn to become obedient to the spirit of God, that we might meet the needs of God. So I just wanted to bring those, point, those points forward about what the... Um what the pride of life is and how the devil tried to use it. He was successful in getting Adam and Eve to fall, but he was not successful in getting Jesus to fall. Why? Jesus came to represent the father. Jesus was full of this spirit and Jesus only had one goal in mind. And that was to glorify the father. If we walk in the spirit with God and our goal is to glorify God with our vessels as the temples of God, the devil can't find a way in and it made clear that the devil left him. Look at verse 13. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. And what does it say? In verse 14, and Jesus returned in the power of the spirit into Galilee and there went a fame of him through all the nation round about. Why? Because he returned in the power of the spirit because he had denied Satan, he had denied his flesh, He denied the lust of his eyes or, you know, like the devil couldn't use the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh or the pride of life against him. And what is the reward? You get to walk in full manifestation and power of the spirit. So that's what this is all about. But pride is the last stand, the pride of life that the devil will try and throw on us to keep us following him. Because the devil will tell you, if you serve Jesus with everything, then what will you be in return? Will you be homeless? Will you be a bum? Will this happen to you? Will you have any money? Will you measure up to your friends that are around you that have so much? So you see, it's this pride of life that we're going to talk about tonight. And we're going to tackle because we want to get through these things, because what God does is most important. Okay, so I want to go to Matthew 13. And let's look at verse 18. All right, this is Matthew 13 and let's look at verse 18. And he says, this is Jesus telling his disciples about a parable and this stuff is so relevant for you and I. So he says, hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and and understandeth it and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. So, you know, this could be a person that will come to church for the first time or even be listening in right now on YouTube. They'll hear the word, but they won't understand it. So let me give some understanding on what understanding means. The word belief and the word understanding in the uh, Greek means not just to get what someone's saying, but to put it into action, but to apply it to your life. So this individual heard what was necessary, but they didn't understand it to the place of doing what God says. And in doing so, let's find out what happens. It says, then cometh the wicked one, which is the devil, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart, This is he which receives seed by the way, sir. So you can hear it and say, you know what? That's me. I know I need to do it, but it never strikes you in the heart where you need to get up and you feel the conviction to do it. And then the devil could just come, give you another idea and pull you away from it. Okay. so this is what we've got to be aware of is being grounded and understanding what God wants us to do. So look at verse 20, but he that received the seed into stony places the same as he that heareth the word and anon meaning immediately with joy receiveth it yet hath he not root in himself but doth for a while for when tribulation and persecution ariseth because of the word by and by he is offended so we see this in many cases i mean there were so many people invited to our ministry that came you know to our bible studies and meetings and things like this and they come in excited. You know, they hear about the word of God and, you know, they're, they're just so excited about what they want to do and who they see themselves as. But as you know, under pressure or under heat, everything truly reveals what its nature is. OK, so they came. Jesus is talking about here. Some people come in immediately with joy. Yes. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Yes. Yes. I love Jesus and I want everything to do with Jesus. And Lord, you can use me and you can rely on me. But he says they endure for a while. They endure for a while. They endure. But he says, but when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word, by and by, he's offended. So they receive this goodness of Jesus. They want Jesus. But then when they learn, hey, you got to stop fornicating. You got to stop sinning. Oh, hey, man, even your family and friends are beginning to turn on you. Jesus is not popular after all. So what happens? They become offended because they don't want to change. So he says with them, um, he also that receives seed among the thorns, is he that hears the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. This is the most deceptive of all, because the third level says he ha, he also that receives seed among the thorns is he that hears the word. So this guy understands it perfectly. But his problem is the cares of this world, the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and by and by. I mean, he becomes unfruitful. So church is full of people like this where ugh, they go out and they... Um, you know, they think by going to church, they can hold on to their lives. Because in a lot of cases, some churches don't tell you to change. They just tell you to keep your sinful life and join us. But there are a few churches that tell you, hey, you've got to deny self. You can't get caught up in the cares of this life. You must be born again to serve Jesus Christ. But see, if pride of life is there, a lot of people will, you know, become unfruitful because they're not going to let go of their second life. They're going to hold on to that one and try and give Jesus every Sunday, whatever time they have. But that's not what this is about. This is about serving the one true God. Okay. So it says they become unfruitful because they care about what you can have in the here and now. And why are they unfruitful? Because the Bible says, as we read in first John two, love, not the world, neither the things that are in the world, if any man loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. So there you have it. So this is all a part of the pride of life. They want to be someone at the expense of God. Look at verse 23, but he that receives seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understands it, which also uh, beareth fruit and bring it forth some 100 hundredfold, some 60 and some 30." So those are people that hear and understand, they put the word to action. Lord, I understand why you said the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes are wicked. I understand how in this life, even though I may have a job and I do things, these things can't mean anything to me. I am only on the job to do your will, Lord. I am only in the world to do your will. And wherever that looks like and wherever you place me, I will be faithful to you. That is someone that will not let the pride of life come in, but they will obey God because that's what God wants them to do. There's a big difference between having things in this life and worshiping things in this life. And that means to be an idolater of these things to keep you from serving the one true God. Anything that keeps you from serving the one true God is an idol. And it's time that we understand this because the pride of life will tell you this is just one of my great possessions and Jesus is just another one. We've got to break past that. And we're going to talk about how today, how to get past this, how to defeat these things, because only overcomers will inherit the things that God has for us. Okay, so I want to move on. Let's go to Luke 16. I mean, not Luke. I'm sorry, guys. This is Matthew 16. And let's look at verse 21. We're going to keep it pretty close today. I don't know how long this study's going to be, but I want to hit the key points about why the pride of life holds us back and what we must do to be set free from it. Man, pride is a dirty thing. It's a nasty thing. The Pharisees wouldn't even receive Jesus because they were proud. All right, so this is uh, Matthew 16, and like I said, we're going to begin in verse 21. From that time forth began Jesus to shew unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. So as you can understand, Peter is upset because he loves the Lord. And Peter's saying, Lord, I don't want you to be a part of this. You know, I don't want to see persecution come your way or anything. So Peter's doing it with his motives because he loves the Lord. Okay, but let's find out what Jesus' response is to this. Look at verse 23. But he turned and said unto Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those things that be of men. So Peter didn't understand that it was God's purpose that Jesus would go to the cross, that Jesus would live a selfless life, that he would be the sacrificial lamb. And you know as Christians we have to we have the same assignment to lay our lives down unto God that God's will can be done. But look at why, you know, Peter didn't savor the things that be of God because he savored the things that be of men. And when you do that, you can't serve God. Jesus said that. He said, you can't serve two masters. You're either going to love one and hate the other. You're going to hold to the one or despise the other. You can't serve God and mammon. So although Peter had some good intentions, he didn't have God intentions. And that's why if you guys get the chance, go to Sound of Trumpet Ministries, Ministries.com and look up a teaching called Good Things and God Things, because what we recognize is God things may not seem right to men, but God things are over for overall godliness. But good things tend to be those things that are against God. You know, even though they may have good worldly intentions, God always gives us commands for a greater purpose. So Jesus rebuked him and called him Satan because he knew there was a spirit. Any spirit that is against the will of God is the will of Satan. And that could be your job, that could be your wife, that could be your husband, that can be your children. If you let these things come in front of God. That can even be your church. If God is calling you to ministry or to do something for him, and you've got the church trying to hold you back and tell you, well, I care for your safety, brother. Well, I don't think you should do this, brother. Hey, that's Satan. If God has told you to go forward and do it. Okay. Because God's purpose is always meant to be done. So let's understand that. Look at verse 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So he wasn't just talking to those disciples. He's speaking to anyone that wants to be a disciple of Christ today, because that's the only position for anyone in the church that wants to serve God. You've got to be a disciple of Christ. Why? So that you can disciple others. Now, what is a disciple? It's to live a disciplined life after God. And to do the things that God did. That's a disciple. Okay, we are to live our lives in accordance with Christ because that is what he wants for us. So Jesus said again, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So what does Jesus mean by that? Because some people will say, well, I don't have any crosses to carry. This is about how Jesus laid his life down as a sacrificial lamb to do the will of the Father. We must lay our lives down to be sacrifices unto God, okay? That's what he means. And look at verse 25. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. So as you can see, He's talking about losing his life, not to commit suicide. He's talking about giving up the life that you have for the life of Christ. Okay, so that's important that we understand that he's against that life that we want for self and for the expense of God. God wants you to give up your life to serve him in his life that he can make you fruitful. Now this is all leaps in, you know, this is all stages. We grow to the place of doing the things that God wants so that God's will can be fulfilled. And I'm gonna tell you guys the power of Satan. While I'm sitting here trying to talk to you, the devil's outside mowing the grass, okay, trying to make as much noise as possible because the devil means to try and stop what's being said from being heard. This is just typical Satan, this is how he works. Do you know anybody that mows grass in one space, one little space for five minutes? Well, when you were preaching the gospel, this is something that Satan will try and do. So Jesus says you got to give, give up a life for a life. Look at 25 again. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. So he's not just speaking of this life. He's speaking of eternal life. Okay, because what is it to be in this life and to not have God? So he's going to give greater understanding. Look at verse 26. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall he give or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So we must understand that our souls are the most valuable thing to God. And it's what God wants us to do what good would it be for me to go to school you know um graduate high school graduate college you know do my three or four years of law school become a lawyer make many millions okay do all that i need to do but in the end i die without knowing jesus and i go straight into hell right into the lake of fire what profit would that be when eternal life is the only true life that exists it's just something to really worry about and to think about What can you give in exchange for your soul? And you see, this is the matrix, this is the blanket that the devil tries to paint over the people of God because what he wants to do is to tell you that the here and now life is more important than the serving Jesus Christ life, okay? The devil tries to make um, a relationship with Jesus seem like, oh, religion. Oh, you can do that on Sunday. You can do that on Tuesday night for Bible study but I'm here to tell you all, this is everything to those who believe. This is all that matters is that you find Christ, live your life in accordance to his will he'll give you a wife or husband if it's his will for you he'll give you a job if it's his will for you he'll supply you with every resource and what you need if it's his will for you but we need to know him and live in accordance with the life he gives us not the will and life that we can choose for self okay so let's look at verse 27 he says for the son of man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then sh- and then he shall reward every man according to his works. So as you can see, living this life is not the end. When Jesus comes back, you know he's going to make clear we're all going to be standing before him, and he's going to judge every man according to his works, not to what you did in the world concerning your worldly success, but it's going to go in accordance with what he asked you to do through his word and what you chose not to do through his word or following his spirit look at verse 28 verily i say unto you there shall be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the son of man coming in his kingdom now remember jesus was talking before all his disciples at this point and you knew one of them was a devil one of them didn't believe But for those who did believe, even though they're now dead and gone, they will never taste of the second death, which is hell or the lake of fire they will go into eternity with Jesus. They will be ones that he says will be raised on that last day in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and they're going to meet with Jesus in the clouds, and there they will reign and live with him forever and ever. So you see, the devil wants to tell you that this life is more important than the world to come when we're only given this life to discover Jesus, get full of his spirit, and do his will unto eternal life. That's the real agenda. All right? So I want to move on. Let's go to uh, I want to go to Matthew chapter 10, since we're all in Matthew. And let's look at verse 10. You see, this is all about the pride of life. It will keep you from even hearing what's being said right now, because you want to be somebody. You want to be someone that's fine, but be someone in Christ. Okay. therefore, not only will that fame be here, but it will be taken unto eternity. Nothing greater than serving the one true God. So let's look at verse 32. This is Matthew 10 and 32, and he says, whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my father, which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my father, which is in heaven. So we know that the pride of life will try and stop us from doing this because for those Christians who can be honest, When you confess Jesus, yes, you may get some people that you might win in, but the majority of people are going to turn away from you and outright despise you and not want anything to do with you. You know that the name of Jesus is not a popular name today. It's not allowed in schools. It's not allowed in the court system. It's not allowed in banking. It's not allowed in anything in this life okay so we know to mention the name of jesus is to be identified with him and you are going to be treated like he is you know and jesus said if you were of the world the world would love his own but because you are not of the world you will be persecuted why for the for jesus christ namesake okay so the name of jesus is still not popular today but he says if you confess me before men I will go before my father, which is in heaven and let everybody know. But if you deny me before men and you're ashamed of Jesus, he'll be ashamed of you and won't announce you before his father, which is in heaven. So which would you prefer? Would you prefer to be liked by people who probably won't like you long after anyways? The the lying and evil masses that are deceiving people away from truth that are trying to tell you today, forget truth, we all have truth and anything goes. Or would you rather stand before the King of Kings whose eyes will be as a flame of fire that you will know on that day, man, this is God. Would you rather face him and go into eternal life in hell, or would you rather stand for him here to suffer what you need to suffer here that you may inherit eternal life? You see, the pride of life will tell you that that's evil. Man, I don't want to do this. Serving God ain't that hard. Man, read the Bible because that's all I'm giving you. So, you know, you better choose who you believe. But look at verse 34. He says, think not, that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. So Jesus is saying, hey, even though he's a prince of peace, he understands that this world is one big stronghold that is, that is held down by the devil. So he says, I'm not coming to send peace. I'm coming with a sword. What is he bringing? He's bringing war. Now he doesn't mean that he himself is going to be killing and doing everything else. He's talking about warring against the demonic forces, warring against the things of this world. They have so many people bound in this this matrix. You guys remember the movie, The Matrix? Neo was considered the one. He was the one that was born in the matrix like Jesus was, okay? But He knew that there was something wrong with the world. And what was he coming to do? To to destroy the matrix, to take out all those agents and all those things that were hooked into it. And his goal was to pull people out of it. Well, that's the purpose of why Jesus Christ came to deliver us from this matrix. Why? So that we could be with Christ and do what Jesus says to do. But you see, this world is one big fantasy. And if we buy into it, we will never serve God this is one big fantasy you buy a house it gets repossessed you buy a car i mean you know a car a house forecloses uh, a car repossessed you know even when you buy the house you know you still gotta um you know pay the taxes on it if not the government will come and take it away even when you find yourself um you know getting a car you know if you don't pay the insurance on it You know, every month. That's after the car is paid for, it will be repossessed. Okay, even when you don't, you know, um, you know, so many things you think you own in this life, you realize that you don't. Okay, there are some elite powers in this world that own everything, and all they got us as is their debt slaves going through, thinking that we can be somebody. We need to get into Christ and be set free, because the Bible makes clear whom the Son has set free. is free indeed. So that's what Jesus came for. So Jesus said, I'm not coming for peace, but I'm coming with a sword. Look at verse 35. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and a daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's foe shall be they of his own household. Now, does Jesus mean he's coming to get mothers and fathers and all that to fight? No, Jesus understands that For those that are in his name, those people will be fought against by their families. Okay. There'll be many people that will say, okay, Lord, you know, I'm going to live your way and I'm going to tell everyone about the gospel. And as you know, the gospel is not popular. So if you go home and you tell your family and your friends about Jesus, chances are, if they're not receptive to him, you're going to be their enemy. They're gonna be mad at you. They're gonna tell you, I live my life the way I want. You know, this all boils down to who do we serve? Do do we serve Christ or Antichrist? And this thing is gonna be cut so fine down the middle that you're even gonna find families that are gonna separate because of this. Why? Because there will be some that will accept Jesus and others that will accept Antichrist. That's the war that's gonna play out. And that's what Jesus meant that he came with the sword. Everybody didn't leave Sodom and Gomorrah. You had some that stayed and others that left, okay? Lot's wife was turned into a pillar of salt, but Lot made sure that he took his two daughters and got out of there. So as you see, this war is gonna be very fine. Either we're gonna serve Antichrist, you know, which is the pride of life, or we're going to serve Christ, okay? So that's what this is about. So he says, um... You know, um, look at verse 37. He says a man's foes will be they of his own house. 37, he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. So Jesus says you have to live a denied life. You've got to forsake your own pleasures and wants and desires and let God govern them. He'll give you a wife if that's what you want. He'll give you a job serving him and he'll take care of your needs. But this is all about following Jesus and doing what Jesus Christ says. But if you love father and mother more than me, what does he mean by that? We have to love God more than anything in this life to serve him, because there are a lot of Christians that know that they've got an unsaved wife or husband, they got unsaved children, they got unsaved mother and fathers, and they will not tell them the truth in Jesus. Why? Because they don't want to hurt them. Well, you know, there's a penalty to pay for that. Because if you love them more than Christ, they don't have a heaven or hell to place you in. Only Jesus does. And it's not Jesus' will alone that you get in. Jesus wants your family and unsaved members to get in. That's why he says, don't deny me, because he wants you to preach the word to them that they may have the option to get on this ark before the flood comes. That's what this whole thing is about. If you deny Jesus before men, he'll deny you before his father, which is in heaven. So he says in verse 40, um, no, verse 39, he that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. So you see, this is all about lining up with Jesus. Verse 41, he that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward, but he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. So you see, this is all about being in Christ. So I want to encourage people, don't look at me and see me, what I'm saying, and then say, well, I don't like him. I don't have anything to do with it. I just believe Jesus and I'm preaching the truth. Okay. so start looking at what Jesus said, because this is Bible 101. This doesn't have anything to do with Derek Hallett and his personal feelings i believe god is why i'm preaching his word and you know you should believe him too why because this is the straight truth and everybody who and you don't believe this war is going on go and preach the gospel go and find out if jesus's word written two thousand years ago holds true go get saved and tell people about jesus and watch the reaction that you get so you will know that god's word is true verse 42 he says and whosoever shall give Uh, to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water, only in the name of a disciple. Verily I say unto you, ye shall in no wise lose his reward. So Jesus always tells us also to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. But we've got to fall in line with what he wants, because you see, even the pride of life keeps you from supporting and feeding the homeless. Why? It's a dirty, nasty job. I made my way by my own way, they can go and decide to want those things too. And you say, that's pride. I'm too good to clean up someone else's mess. Not even realizing the only reason you are where you are is because someone invested in you. Someone didn't have enough pride in themselves to give you a job or to help you out. But what if they looked at you and said, you know, I don't think they're gonna be fit for this. So let me move them out of the way. You see, our God is no respecter of persons as the homeless are. You know, they need to be as we need to be taken care of. We need to be looking after the homeless and the widows and the oppressed also, because this is God's command. But the pride of life will tell you, I got mine. Get yours. But that's not what this is about. Not at all. All right. So I want to move on. Let's go to Luke 14. 14. I want to go to Luke 14 to make this point. All right. So let's look at Luke 14 and let's look at verse 16. All right. So it says this is Luke 14 and 16. And guys, you know, like I tell so many of my listeners, Have your Bible out in front of you when this is going on. Don't be just listening to me and entertain. You know, get the word yourself so that you can have greater understanding. I don't even want you to trust me. You trust in the living God and what his word says, okay? Why? Because I'm concerned for your salvation. I'm not looking for popularity. That's not what this is about. So this is Luke uh, 16, right? I mean, Luke 14 and verse 16 Then said he unto him, Uh, a certain man made a great supper and bade many and sent his servants at supper time to say to them that were bidden, come for all things are now ready. So as Christians, you know, this is what we're called to do. All we're doing is inviting people to this great marriage supper that Jesus Christ wants us to have. That's all we're here for. We're trying to help people to get off a sinking ship to find Jesus Christ while there is still time that they can partake in the great marriage supper or wedding supper that Jesus Christ wants to have for us. Okay, so it says, And he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground. And I must needs go to see it. I pray thee, have me excused. You know how many people we meet on a daily basis, we invite to Bible study, to hear the gospel, to get to know Christ. How many brothers and sisters invite people to church and to, you know, spend time with Jesus and get into his word? And this is what you hear I've just bought a piece of ground, I've got some property that I need to take care of. I'm sorry, I would love to, but. You know, I just don't have that kind of time right now. So I'm sure you'll understand. Maybe next time, though. Maybe next time. Okay. So let's look. And he says, he prayed to be excused. Look at verse 19. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them and pray thee, have me excused. So I got some oxen to sell. You know, I'm a salesman. And, you know, time is of the essence. You know, time is money. So, I don't really have time right now, but please have me excused. I'm sure the Lord will understand. Then he says in verse 20 and another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. This is all the pride of life, man, you know, because I don't wanna lose my wife. I wanna hang on to everything I have. So, you know, I just don't have time. I gotta spend time with my wife because you know, happy wife, happy life. That's more like happy pride of life because it doesn't have anything to do with God. Okay, because God wants us to be faithful, whether we're married or not, whether we got friends or not, whether we work or not, whether we have families or not. But the pride of life will tell you, man, I can't lose these things, even though they're losing their relationship with God, because each day is not promised to us. So let's see what the Lord says. Look at verse twenty one. So that servant came and shewed his lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, "Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind." You guys realize I'm at this point right now too, because you know it's so funny that you can introduce people to come in, and a lot of people won't come. They got their own lives; they're doing their own things, but. You know the Lord loves us so much that He even said to go into the streets in the lanes of the city and bring in the poor. You know that can be the homeless, the maimed, that's the crippled or handicapped, and the halt. You know those who can't provide for themselves, and the blind. You know those who can't see. And the servant said, "Lord, it is done as Thou has commanded." And yet there is room. So even when this faithful servant, which would be a Christian, invited these people to come in, you know, they came. But then he says, Lord, there's still room at your dinner table. What should we do next? Okay, and look at what he says. Verse 23. And the Lord said unto his servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. So you see, God doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants to call all people to repentance that they may serve him and come after the things that he wants. But we've got to understand the importance of having God. And if we love the world, it's so hard to see it God's way because we got so many things that we want. So he said, compel, persuade them. Don't just take no for an answer. Try and get these people to come in. Let them know, guys, you don't want to miss this supper. Okay. That's how badly God wants people saved. Look at verse um, 24. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden, which were asked before or invited to come shall taste of my supper. Why? Because they had things more important than God. That's that pride of life, buddy. Look at verse 25. And there went great multitudes with him and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, so he just went right out into the people and to let the people know this. If any man comes after Jesus and hate not his father and his mother and his wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So I want to make this clear about what the word hate means. Jesus here is not talking about hated. This word means to be hated. If you can't take being hated by your mother or your father or your sister or brother or your wife or your children, because you want to be with Christ, and he says, if you can't even take being hated or hate your own life, You can't be a disciple of Jesus Christ. A lot of people have turned from Jesus. A lot of weak men have given up their place with Jesus to make their wife happy. And I want you to know what's the fate of you here. That's what this is about. You've got to have some strong, rugged individualism to be able to stand regardless of who doesn't because eternity is only forever. Okay, so let's be clear with that. So he says, man, if you don't hate your own life, You can't be a disciple of Christ. Now, what would keep us from doing this? The pride of life. I don't want to lose the things that I have. Remember the young rich man when he says, great master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus gave him a list of things to do. And he said, all these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? This is in Matthew 19, 16 through 20. And Jesus said to him, okay, so since you've done all these things, He says, why don't you get rid of all your possessions and give it to the poor and come and follow me? And it says, when the young man heard these things, he walked away sorrowful because he had great possessions. So you see, Jesus says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If your treasure are the cares of this life, you cannot serve Jesus. So we've got to make a choice in what we want and what we are going to do. So he's not done yet. Look at verse 27. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So you see, to be hated by your mother and father, wife, husband, children in your own life for preaching the gospel's sake. That's carrying your cross. That's denying yourself the things that you would normally do in this life. If you know that God's word speaks against it, then do it in a godly, lawful way. Like if, you know, you want to have a wife and God hasn't granted you one yet, don't go around fornicating until you do. That's self-denial where you say, "Okay, well, I'm just going to wait until the Lord gives me one, you know, and if he doesn't, then I guess that I'm going to live my life without it. It is better to go through life than that, than to miss out. On what God has for you, but our God is faithful. If you ask Him for a wife or a husband, He'll grant you these things. But we've got to deny self and do what God says, so that we can reap the benefits of what God wants. So that's a type of carrying your cross. So He says, "For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether um, whether he had sufficient to finish it?" So we did a teaching on soundtrumpetministries.com called Count the Cost. It's important that you look at that and you look that over because we must understand, too, that God, you know, um, tells us, hey, I know what I'm saying before you right now can be difficult to hear. I know that this is like nothing you have ever heard before. And I know you've heard from so many liars and false teachers telling you that you don't need to do this. This is why he tells us, hey, guys, count the cost. It's going to cost you something to walk with God. But those things mean absolutely nothing when you compare it to God's riches, God's eternal life, God's glory and his favor. There is nothing more important than having God. So he says less happily after uh, he have laid the foundation and is not able to finish it. All that behold it began to mock it you know, saying this man began to build and was not able to finish. So God doesn't want you to come into this thing unknowing. Jesus wants you to come in with a full heart, knowing what you're going to face, knowing what you'll have to endure. But all these things will be done out of love. Do you love God that much that you will forsake your life for him? Do you love Jesus that much that you will love your neighbor as you love yourself? That's what the commandments of God are. They are in total love and are in total selflessness. Okay. So let's look at, uh, uh, let's see. He says in verse 31, "Or what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that could, Uh, that cometh against him with 20,000. So Jesus is saying, hey, you know the odds in this physical life are going to be against you, but when you've got Jesus, you've got everything, okay? You don't have to worry about a thing. We Christians are the majority. We are not the minority. If Christ be for you, who can be against you? Let's keep that in mind, okay? And verse 32 says, or else while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth his ambassador or embassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, so likewise, with all this being said, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all. How much is all? Whoever? (laughs) Look at it again. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Now, am I saying this? No, Jesus Christ is saying this, but this is the price of eternal life. This is the cost of walking with Jesus. So if some people, if this message is too hard for you and you want to serve the Lord, just ask the Lord for more patience, more faith. Ask the Lord that you grow in grace. Ask the Lord for the Holy Ghost. Ask the Lord that Jesus Christ can be birthed in you. Fast and pray before God that you can deny your carnal flesh, that you can serve God like this with a pure heart. These are the only people that are getting in. But if you don't want to serve God, if you find this as straight foolishness, then you're naturally minded. The Bible says that the natural man received not the things of the spirit of God because they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because these things are spiritually discerned. So, this is important that we have an understanding of this. But the Bible says, He that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. Why? Because he's a spiritual man that has judged himself according to the word of God, and he's living his life in accordance with God's word. Okay, so that's what we must understand. So, I want to go to Luke 21. We're almost done, guys. Let's go to Luke 21 and let's look at 24. And if you don't think you can humble yourself to this degree before God, then your problem is you're proud. You're letting the pride of life step in between you and a great salvation. And we can't do that. We've got to yield to God and do what God says. All right, so this is Luke 21. And we are going to look at, where are we going? Luke um, Luke 21 and 24. And it says, and this is uh, speaking about the coming of Jesus and what will befall people in the end times. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Now, we know that, um, you know, Jerusalem is occupied by Gentiles. It's always been, you know, since that time. But at the coming of Christ, these things will be taken away. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with um, with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. So he's saying for those who have not given themselves to Christ, their hearts are going to fail them for fear with the things that are coming upon the earth because the coming of Jesus, he's going to come as a thief in the night. And we better be ready to meet him and to know him. We can't get caught up in the cares of this life. Verse 27, and then shall they see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. You know how many people are not happy that call themselves Christians, are not ready to see Jesus, nor do they want to. You know how many people say, I want to live my life and fulfill everything I do here. And then when I'm just about done with this life, you can come and send Jesus. You know what your problem is? You love the world and the things that are in the world. And we've already told you in 1 John 2 and 15 that those that are of the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So you see, these people that are going to lift up their hands and rejoice for their redemption drawing nigh, these are people that long for the appearance of Christ, that have forsaken this life, that are willing to do what Jesus says, that have a real dislike for the world, because this world is wicked. This world is evil and everything in it. okay, and this world doesn't care about anybody but itself. Okay? This is the world of Satan. Satan is the God of this world. And Jesus is coming back to knock him off his throne and to come with a new heaven and a new earth that everybody will be treated fairly in God's economy. You want to know who brought up the subject of race? It was the devil himself. When they start talking about black lives matter, whose life does it matter? Okay? God is no respecter of persons. You got Hebrew Israelites with the pride of life or black Hebrew Israelites talking about Jesus was black and the real Israelites were black. Even if they were, it doesn't matter. Okay, you can't judge people according to the melanin content in their skin. That's ridiculous. Okay, because there's no man will know Jesus after the flesh. That's what his word says. So you see them who worship God must worship him where? in spirit and in truth. And I'm sorry, your black skin does not qualify. Neither does any man's white skin that thinks Jesus is white. Neither does any you know person that thinks Jesus is Asian. Because they're out there. I'm not making a joke. That's what the World Mission Society Church of God is all about. Okay? But with all these things going on, it doesn't matter about skin color. It's do you know Christ. That's all that matters because you know what makes you proud of your race? the pride of life. Oh, you know, black people invented things. We endured more than anybody else. Yeah, but we gotta be born again that we can serve Christ. And I don't care who doesn't like this message. This is all about serving the one true God. I'm not lying to people. Jesus came to set us free from all that. To be born again is to be born of the spirit, not of the flesh. Your race is of the flesh, not of the spirit. All right. So, you know, those who long for Christ, their redemption will draw nigh. Look at verse 29. And he spake to them in the parable. Behold the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth, ye see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. So likewise, ye, when ye see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall pass away till all be fulf- I mean, shall not pass away, sorry, till all be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting. You guys want to know what surfeiting is? Surfeiting is overeating, overindulging. Okay. And this is the pride of life that keeps us thinking that we shouldn't deny our appetite at times to fast before God, to weaken the flesh and strengthen the spirit. Over Surfeiting can even be overindulging in your job, overindulging in food, overindulging in just life and having fun and doing what you want. That's surfeiting. So he says to beware of these things, okay, lest by any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness. And not just that, and the cares of this life. And so that day may come upon you unawares. So Jesus wants us to be sober that we not be taken over by the cares of this life, because you see, it's those cares and those affections that will move you away from the desires of the God of God. Sorry. Flesh is flesh and spirit is spirit. The two are contrary one to the other. They do not go together, okay? We've got to move from the flesh that we can serve God in spirit. And I can tell you guys, being in the spirit is a much better place to be. Look at verse 35. For as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all the things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So, you know, we got to be delivered from these things because if not, he made clear in verse 35 that these things will be a snare to us. The cares of this life are a snare to us. We're just running around in circles. We're on a hamster wheel. We got to be set free and know what it really is to be free in Christ. You see, living in this life is like being a bird in a cage. Living in the spirit is like being freed from the cage and moving as the wind suggests being liberated, you know, um, alive in the spirit that you can go and soar above clouds or you can, you know, soar just above the sea, but it means to be free. There's nothing more free than a bird than the spirit of God. The spirit of God is the the most free that you can be. All right. I think I'm going to take it to one more scripture, but in your spare time, read James 4, where it makes clear God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. In Matthew 23, Jesus said that him that exalteth himself shall be abased, but him that lowers and humbles himself will be exalted. Okay, so we've got to humble ourselves in the sight of God that he may lift us up in due time when he is ready to do these things. Okay, so we got to stay away from pride because pride also comes before the fall. You know, most people get taken down when they're pride. There are some celebrities that are dead today that they let the pride of this life take them over. They totally believe that if I do everything and I'm rich and famous, I will stay rich and famous. And many of those people, you don't get out of Hollywood without being drunken or crazy or out of your mind or, you know, murdered. Okay, and that's right, I said murdered. You would never believe how you've got to be sodomized as a rapper to get a record deal. And if any rappers want to be honest, they need to tell me, they, they need to, you know, come up front, ask them and see if I'm lying. You have to do, you know, the director's couch has been out for years. You've got to do some profane things to walk around in the pride of life to make it into Hollywood. These people don't even get married. They call themselves the elite just dropping babies and doing whatever, when really, man, that's filth. That's what they're teaching the young people. You don't need to be married. You don't need a commitment. You can just live your life. Marriage is just a piece of paper. That's filth, because outside of God's law and God's will, we're beasts. We lay down like dogs, we wake up like dogs, and then we find new mates like dogs to have more. Man, that's foolishness. That's garbage. All right. So, you know, last scripture of the night, we're gonna go to, let's go to Philippians chapter three. I think that's a good scripture to close out on this whole series, this three part series of the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and what we are talking about tonight, the pride of life. So let's go to Philippians three, and we are going to close from there. All right, this is Philippians three. And let's look at verse one. Thank you, Jesus. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but um, for you, it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. So, you know, I want to tell people that are listening in beware of dogs, beware of evil workers and the concision. An evil worker would tell you what I'm telling you now is straight trash. Why? Because they don't want to lose you in their congregation to the church. An evildoer would be someone that would tell you, you know, well, you can live your life out perfectly, just ignore some things in the Bible and move on. Okay, Uh, the concision would be someone that you know, that's the vicious bunch. People don't mind people going to hell to take advantage of people to get the things that they want. And that beware of dogs, guys. I did a teaching on com. You guys look it up and um, it's called the canine spirit. OK, it says beware of dogs. It's the canine spirit. But I don't have time to get into that today. But you guys look it up and see what you get from it. All right. Let's look at verse three. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. So that's the status God wants to get us to that. We are of the circumcision. We've allowed God to get into our hearts to cut around all that flesh that he may make our hearts his throne. And then he says, they worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus. And they have no confidence whatsoever in the world or in the flesh. Okay. So it says, um, look at verse four, though I speak also uh, have confidence in the flesh, though I might speak also to have confidence in the flesh. If any man thinketh that he have whereof, he might trust in the flesh, i more. So this is Paul saying, you think you can brag about what you have in the flesh? If I were to do that, I could say that I've endured more than you in the flesh. And look at his resume. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, in Hebrew of the Hebrews, and touching the law of Pharisee. Okay, so he knew the law inside out. Okay, that were in the flesh. Look at verse six. Concerning zeal persecuting the, ter- I mean the church, touching the righteousness, which is of God, blameless. So Paul says, I know that law, man. If you guys think you can brag about what you can do in this life or in the flesh before God, I know all the fleshly law. OK, look at verse seven. But what things were gained to me, those I counted, lost, for Christ, So those things that Paul has, because Paul was well-educated, he was in the Roman army, he had a high position amongst the Pharisees, Paul considered all these things dung that he might win Christ. He said, man, I count, I throw away everything, my education, I throw away what I used to do for a living, all that mess, I throw away that uh, he count all those things as laws for Christ. And that's what getting rid of the pride of life is all about. Verse eight says, yea, doubtless. And I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. So not only did he throw away the things in his life, but he doesn't even miss it. He's gone so far beyond that. He calls it dung that he has won Christ. And we've got to all taste the Lord and see that he is good, that we may have the righteousness of Christ and live in accordance to what Jesus wants so we can see the true treasure of walking in the spirit with him. Look at verse nine, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. So Paul's saying, I gave up my life basically for the life of Christ. And he says, I'm looking forward to the power of that resurrection on the last day when the Lord lifts you up. Man, that's what he's looking forward to. Forget everything else. So he's put away his pride. Look at verse 11. Verse 11 and reaching forth unto those things which are before." So you see, you've got to forsake that old life that you can walk with Jesus and go on to those things which are before us, this great salvation. Lot's wife did not move on into Zoar because she turned back. And Jesus even warns us in Luke 17, remember Lot's wife. Why? So that we can forsake the world and move forward with him and do the things that he wants so that we don't miss out on what God has for us. So he says in verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many as be perfect, that means mature, be thus minded. And if anything, ye be otherwise minded, god shall reveal even this unto you so god is so good that is he's taking sin out of our lives now in order to be matured and made perfect in christ the holy ghost is going to continue to show you things that are not of him so we can gradually move them out of our lives so that it won't get in the way of our salvation what a good god look at verse 16 nevertheless we're too we have already attained. Let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. So what does this mean to walk as Jesus walked, to walk as Paul walked, to walk as Peter walked, to walk as John walked, and all those who were faithful, to walk as Stephen walked, even though he had a short life, He was obedient unto God. He didn't care how young he was. He went out full of the spirit, preached the gospel, lost his life. But you know what? The Lord of glory stood up to salute him, to let him know. All right. Welcome home, son. Good job. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. All right. So he says in verse 17, brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. So he's making clear that our passage into doing what God says is to live a denied life. It's to carry our cross. But he says that many will try and persuade people like what I'm saying tonight. There will be many people trying to persuade you Don't listen to that. Don't. Oh, that's crazy. Don't yield to that. But he says he tells the people even weeping that those kind of people are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Okay, because they're trying to prevent you from going to that cross, living a life denied, darting out to self so that Christ can live in us. And look at verse 19. Look at how he describes these enemies of the cross. Also, if you guys get a chance, go to soundtrumpetministries.com. We did a teaching on the enemies of the cross of Christ. But look at how he describes them in verse 19. Whose end is destruction. Why? Because they're pointing towards hell. They don't want to live in the spirit with Jesus. Whose God is their belly. That means whatever appetites I have, that's what I allow, you know, for me to do. This is what leads me. My appetite, their God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame. They don't mind being pigs and dogs before God. God wants you to live the high life and you want to live the low life. There's something wrong with that. God is trying to get us from a beast like nature because man and beast were born on the sixth day. God's trying to elevate us to that number seven that we may be full of the spirit of God. And what does he say about them? He says their end is destruction because it's not eternal life with Christ, whose God is their belly. They don't live a denied life. If I want it, I grab it. And whose glory is in their shame. They won't allow the Holy Ghost to elevate them and make them whole and holy and who and who mind earthly things. So you see, when you mind earthly things, you live in accordance with earthly things. You love earthly things. That's all you can talk about. And you see, when you've got that kind of thing, you can't be heavenly minded. You are so earthly minded that you can't be heavenly minded. So he wants us to forsake the earthly things, the cares of this life, the things that we love in this life, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life promotes. He wants us to push those things aside. And look at verse 20. He's going to say it. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working hereby, or whereby uh, he is able to subdue all things unto himself. So the Lord wants to take away our vile bodies that we may have heavenly bodies, glorified bodies, but we will not have these bodies if we don't live in accordance with God. So, you know, the grave is only going to be one part of our finished work. The other part is the Bible says we're going to be like Jesus and look like him. We're going to have glorified bodies, which I personally believe And Derek Prince believed this for years, but he never said it. Pastor Price went ahead and actually did say it, but he says he believes it's a body without blood because a body without blood is a body that will have the spirit. So when you have a spiritual body, there's no need for blood, but God wants a glorified body. But all these things are going to be given to us on the other side. But what what will we have to do? What is the cost of following Christ? We've got to deny ourselves that we can partake in his spirit and allow the glory of God to live in this temple and to do what God says to do. So that way we will not fall victim to the lust of the eyes, to the lust of the flesh. And as what we talked about tonight, the pride of life. This is all about Jesus and not of ourselves. So I just want to tell people out there, I love you. Give your life to Jesus Christ. You can't go wrong with him. Because all we have before him is eternal life and he teaches us not to live like pigs, but to live in accordance with his word, his laws, his statutes, his commandments and his spirit that we can be truly liberated and be free from the cares of this life. Okay, so um, I'm Minister Derek Hallett of Sound the Trumpet Ministries, soundthetrumpetministries.com. You guys can reach me by email. It is Derek, D-E-R-E-K. Hallett, H-A-L-L-E-T-T, letter J at gmail.com. I answer my emails frequently. If you guys got any questions, you can work that out. You know, I have a brother, Greg, that's also working on things for the website to receive more messages. So, you know, I just want, I'm just grateful for my brothers, you know, my brother, Ethan, my brother, Michael Adams, You know, my brother, Brian, my brother, Greg, my brother, Rock uh, T-73 out in Australia. There's so many, you know, that the Lord is introducing me to. And I'm just grateful for them because I'm even finding that God's body is not going to just be sitting in one place. They're going to be branched out all over. okay? because God's body is universal. And when I say universal, I don't mean Catholic. I mean those who are of the body of Christ. Okay, so um, I want to pray out real quick and then I can close from there. Heavenly Father, in Jesus name, Lord, I pray for the grace of the hearers. I pray that your word was glorified tonight, Lord, and I pray that we glorified you. I pray that no man's heart be heard, that no flesh was glorified tonight. But by your spirit, people may have edification, that they may choose you, for you are that blessed rock that we can rely on. So I just pray, Lord, that the eyes and the ears will open tonight, that people may choose you, Lord. I pray that we move on into eternity with you and forget the things that are behind. I pray for those lost souls out there, my brothers and sisters in China and Russia and Iran and, uh, you know, Ethiopia and all over the world and Romania. Lord, that you set them free, that you give them strength to continue in the faith that they may not buckle under pressure. We pray and we ask, Lord, that all these things be done for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, all right, guys, that's going to wrap it up for this week. But, you know, this is Sound of Trumpet Ministries, soundoftrumpetministries.com. I'm Minister Derek Hallett. And until next time, I'll see you then.